Early in my first real job in 1995, I was fairly lousy at managing stress. An older, more seasoned, and well-adjusted colleague told me this story, and at the time, I found it to be of great comfort and inspiration. Once upon a time, there was a man who had a very stressful job. He would come home from work every day, park his car in front of his house, walk up to his front sidewalk, and stop at a dogwood tree just in front of the living room window. He would sit his briefcase down and then touch various branches of the tree, imagining that he was transferring all of his worries, his regrets, his disappointments from his workday onto the tree. He would then smile, pick up his briefcase, walk into his house, and be completely free of anxiety, able to fully focus on his family life. Each morning on his way out the door, on his way to work, he would stop to pick up those concerns that the tree carried over the night. This story, a powerful work-life balance story, was quite helpful for me in an era without cell phones, laptops, or remote work. Things have changed. Today on The Behaviorist, we explore if it is possible or even desirable to fully separate work from our home lives. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Kedron Crosby. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're exploring how to achieve joy and success by weaving one's personal and professional lives together. This blurring of the boundaries between work and non-work can result in either great success, engagement, or major burnout and disaster. We are so lucky to have the talented whole life enthusiast, Dr. Erica McRae, with us today to share her experiences and her wisdom. Dr. McRae is the director of the School of Special Education, School Psychology, and Early Childhood Studies at the University of Florida. Thank you, Erica, for joining us on The Behaviorist today as we explore the concepts and best practices for work-life integration. It's so good to have you. It's my pleasure, Katie. So glad we're doing this. It's been about five years that I've been thinking, what can Erica and I talk about on The Behaviorist? And so I'm glad we finally landed on a topic. Um, so, so in thinking about work-life balance, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about work-life balance? I often uh, talk to the junior faculty and doctoral students uh, that I mentor and support when that seems to be like the golden ticket, that's the gold <laughs> ring that Frodo uh, is is holding on to. And I, I just stop them and, and chuckle and say, you know, it sounds like you're riding a unicorn along the rainbow looking for the leprechaun and pot of gold at the end. So let's take that off the table. Yeah. Let's think about a way for you to feel like every day you've accomplished something that you've intended to, that over the course of your career, whether we have to break that down into semesters, academic years, pre-post tenure, whatever that time frame is, that you feel some measure of success. 
because my goal is to support you in ways that help you stay whole through this process. Mm. Because in higher education, our lives seem to run on this 24-hour cycle. Mm. Um, even though there are clear breaks, like the end of a semester or a winter break or whatever, the, the end of a course, whatever that time frame is, there's always the next thing, which can lead to really unhealthy ways of living and being. Uh, and it, in theory, it should be good that we have time to think and read and write and investigate uh, in our area of interest, but it can also uh, bleed into every aspect of our lives, which the rest of our people might not understand or care about. Mm -hmm. And so throughout my doctoral program, uh, I had mentors that said, you know, this is important, but when you finish the program, you want the people you love and care about to still be there. You don't want to have you know, gotten so deep into this that they don't, they can't relate to you. Uh, they don't know you uh, and you don't know them. And so that, that has really stuck with me. And there have been times when I've not done a great job of that um, just because the pressures feel so great, uh, but really moving away from work-life balance. So I really appreciate um, the time to, to talk to you because you actually influenced me. I hear you in my ear a lot of times when I'm having conversations with people with, and I, I don't know that I've ever shared that with you. So. Mm, that's so sweet. I'm so flattered. Well, you know, I think it's great what you're saying that um, sometimes our circumstances cause us to have to become good at work-life integration. So a doctoral program, you can't, you can't drop that at the tree. You know, you, you yeah. got to keep going. Um, your industry, you know, when you think about education, it's 24-7. And, and then there's a semester end, and so there's a, a bit of a break. But you have to get great at, at uh, juggling those, those plates. Uh, so I really I like the, this idea that it's not just the pandemic <laughs> that's pu pushing mm -hmm. us in that direction or technology that's pushing us in the direction of integration. But sometimes it's our industry or maybe our, our circumstances regarding, you know, a doctoral program or something like that. Um, yeah, I really like this idea of instead of pitting our work identity against our personal identity, um, that we're finding ways to weave the different parts of our, our work life, our home life, our community life, our, all our various identities together in a way that we're consistent and we're authentic and we're congruent and we're collaborative and it all works together towards, um, towards a greater good, a greater purpose. So um, I've, you know, I've been thinking a lot about work-life integration, not just because of our clients and they, they need help in this direction, but also myself personally. And I feel like some of what work-life integration really requires is clarity of purpose, uh, clarity of values, really understanding um, our crucibles, and then pulling it all together in the service of this overarching purpose. So when you're, when you're thinking about work-life integration, um, at this conceptual level uh, versus work-life balance, what do you think it takes? What do you think it takes to get to this work-life integration as opposed to the work-life balance? 
I think it it requires us to make intentional choices every single day. Mm. If we we try to think about it in too uh, long of a term or in segments that can become overwhelming or unwieldy, then we we lose the the idea of of, of being able to integrate. Um, every day, there are parts of the day that are, are more family. There are parts of the day that are more work. Um, I got a puppy. There are parts of the day mm. that are puppy, and she demands her parts of the day. So a lot of other things are now fitting in around her, mm-hmm. uh, which has been good and bad. <laughs> it's like having a baby. They, they they need to eat when they need to eat. They mm-hmm. need to move when they need to move. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she has helped me reshape some of my own intentions each day. Uh, but to really move towards integration uh, shifts our our ways of being. Mm-hmm. I have tried to operate from uh, a, a personal mission or, or vision and value statement. And for me, in my work and in my life, I hope that everything I do leads to more equitable experiences and outcomes for people who have been marginalized. Mm-hmm. So my work is in... Uh, focused on people of color, it's mm-hmm. focused on women, mm-hmm. it's focused on individuals with disabilities and those at the intersections. Mm-hmm. And so if everything I'm doing is in service of that vision, parts of every day have to to give me deliverables. Mm. And so in my personal life, how do I make sure that my daughter, who is now 22, feels healthy, wealthy, happy, and whole? That mm-hmm. has been my mantra. Mm-hmm. What what is everything I'm doing leading me towards her feeling healthy, wealthy, happy, and whole? Is my mother feeling healthy, wealthy, happy, and whole? Mm -hmm. Are my friends and their families feeling that way? Are the students I'm teaching, are the faculty I'm mentoring, and so on and so forth? And so how do I then support not only the people in my immediate circle, but how do I support them in ways that they are ready to pay it forward, that they feel full enough that if they pour out, they still have some to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, re- <laughs> go ahead. No, you keep going. Keep going. I love this. Okay. And so on my very worst days, I wake up and I think, okay, you, you might be feeling slightly depleted. What do you need to fill your cup so that you get back to healthy, wealthy, happy, and whole? And wealth, not in terms of necessarily finances, but resources so that I can give, that I can serve, that I can be present. Mm -hmm. And on my very worst days, it's keeping the to-do list really short and the to-be list. What do I need to be present? And it might mean that I do a yoga class before I walk out the door. It might mean that I turn on my oil diffuser and just sit and and try to, you know, do some mindful meditation so that I'm still and I'm present because I have a propensity towards anxiety and it, it, I feel it in my body. And so movement, I realized over time is absolutely essential for me, but the counter to that is stillness. So then how do I, how do I make sure that I also incorporate um, stillness so that my mind can get still and so that I can focus and then I can be uh, where my feet are um, Mm -hmm. in every sense of the word. And so really hoping to integrate all the pieces of my day, all the people, places and things in my life 
so that I'm able to, to move in service of my personal vision. And that to me has been um, key, particularly during the pandemic when for a while, everything was happening within the 1600 square feet of my house. And so I needed to separate work and uh, the rest of my life and day. And so I would get up and get fully dressed, shoes, everything. I would pack my lunch and people laughed. And I thought, no, this is what I know I need Mm -hmm. to be (laughs) feeling like there's some separation from work. So when I come into the room where my office is set up, I'm here, I'm focused. When I go into the kitchen, which I jokingly call the break room during the day, uh, I was in the break room and I was eating <laughs> and I might call a friend like, I, you know, I might see someone in the break room in the office. I might call a friend. I might go sit outside. Um, and so that really helped me think in very concrete ways about the uh, the ways that I needed to move differently uh, on the I won't call it post pandemic later in the pandemic when we're actually out and moving around. Um, I have been really intentional about what are the things that need to get done today? Can they get done in the office where I work with other people? How much of that might need to get done in the office uh, that I work in in my home? And then how do I feel that feel uh, complete enough in those tasks and activities that I can enjoy the rest of my evening without feeling guilty, mm-hmm. without feeling like I should be doing something other than what I'm doing? When in, in some instances, I really needed to just be playing with my puppy. And she needed that and I needed that. And so uh, just trying to keep everything in its proper place so that uh, I can be healthy, wealthy, happy and whole. Mm. And there are a lot of plates in the air. So um, I mentioned you mentioned that I'm a school director, which is basically a department chair. That's what people will know. And if you've seen the Netflix department chair series, yes. (laughs) And I'll just leave it at that. I'm going to need to watch it. (laughs) you should watch it. But there are different aspects of the work. So faculty life is teaching research service. I am teaching, I'm conducting research, I'm providing professional uh, service, service in my community. I'm also a department chair, so that adds administrative uh, responsibilities. I also have uh, funded projects, which are research and technical assistance. And so these are all plates spinning in the air. And I feel like there are times when people throw balls and I need to juggle too. Mm. And so I just hope that the balls are rubber so that when they fall, they bounce, they yeah. don't break. Yeah. Uh, and when the plates get hot, I hope that someone uh, that I have, you know, developed good working and personal relationships such that people will come alongside and hold one of the plates for a while. Mm. Um, and so that's how I think about work-life integration, my mantra, healthy, wealthy, happy, and whole. And uh, knowing that all of the things that need to get done in, in within a day, within a, a week, within a semester, uh, will get done if I keep uh, my focus on what I've decided is the vision for my life and work. Yeah, I, I just want to shine the light on a few elements that I think are universally helpful in work-life integration. So, so this personal vision that you have clearly stated, and it sounds like it's become a bit of a mantra for you. Sometimes I think of this as adopting a mindset that's sort of a vocation. So it's not a career. It's, it's sort of a purpose on the planet. And everything you're doing is working in that direction. So your personal vision, 
You probably wouldn't be able to do any of this if you didn't have real clarity around that. Um, I'm loving your results orientation. So thinking about what is it in a concrete way that I need to accomplish today so that I can relax at some point, that I don't just work, 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 work. You have this real um, focus on your yourself. You're tuned into what do I need? You're doing a lot of noticing. Uh, does my puppy need to move? Do I need to move? You know, what what's my body need right now? You're flexible, which is also really key in work-life integration. And I also love that you are, are looking for support. You're looking to create the kind of resonant relationships so that you can pass some plates to others. You can pass some balls to others uh, to keep everything in the air. So these are just a few of the elements that I have found to be universally helpful. Our, our listeners might want to think about those elements for themselves. And you've done a beautiful job describing how you use those in order to truly integrate all of the threads of your life into a really strong braid. Um, there, there's not been a whole lot written, and not much research on work-life integration. People are very much still talking about work-life balance, but I think as the pandemic has unfolded and we've all been forced <laughs> to uh, weave our, our personal and our professional lives together. I, I, I love the break room idea, by the way. I, I think <laughs> everyone should have a kitchen that's called the break room. Um, you know, there, there, is, there is a couple, there are, have been a couple of articles written. There was one in 2014 in Harvard Business Review by a man named Stuart Friedman. And he wrote about the concept of work-life integration. And he wrote that the integrated life must adhere to three principles. So I thought we could spend a little bit of time thinking about these three principles. Um, be real, be whole. And you have used that word so many times in this conversation already, be whole and be innovative. So he wrote that to be real is to act with authenticity by clarifying what's important to you. So, so many of us have adopted the practices of work-life integration over the past 18 months because of the pandemic. Um, I've been thinking about the great resignation. And, you know, there are a lot of people who are leaving their jobs. Have you thought about the great resignation? And, you know, do you think maybe the great resignation is happening because people have been taking that first necessary step of integrated life. They're clarifying what's actually important to them. And then they're making career moves as a result. So are, are you seeing any of this happen with your friends or colleagues down in Florida? Absolutely. And mm. I, I don't even I don't even know that it's as thoughtful or intentional as you've described it. Mm. I think in some ways, people's hands have been forced. Mm. Um, uh, one of my colleagues resigned uh, over the summer mm. and partly because he had an opportunity to move into an uh, al alternate, people, people call it alt-ac, so an alternative to academic um, life that really allowed him to focus on research, which was really his love. 
mm-hmm. um, and doing some of the other aspects of higher ed life weren't necessarily things he enjoyed as much as the research. And so he got this opportunity. He can work remotely. And, and it was just a good move for him. It was unfortunate for our department, for our program, uh, but really good for him. Um, I've also seen, on the other hand, as, as more of a, a cautionary tale, uh, we, we talked about Instagram, but on Twitter, uh, I follow a lot of people and the people are resigning because they don't feel cared for by their organizations. They mm-hmm. don't feel like their health or needs or the ability uh, to integrate their work and life is being taken into account when policies um, and regulations are being handed down. Mm-hmm. And so that really makes me sad that um, people are dispensable in in some sense yeah. uh, or people don't feel cared for enough that um that their desire to stay in their organization matches with their desire to care for themselves and their families. Yeah. You know, these are great examples, very concrete examples of people being real um, by clarifying what's important to them. And so for some of those individuals, they're, they're valuing themselves by leaving mm-hmm. those organizations. They're prioritizing themselves in ways that maybe they hadn't heretofore. So um, really fantastic examples. So be real is the first element Stuart Friedman talks about for the integrated life. The second is to be whole. And the third is to be innovative. So Friedman said that to be whole is to act with integrity by recognizing how the different parts of your life, work, home, community, self, affect one another. All this examination allows you to be innovative. You act with creativity by experimenting with how things get done in ways that are good for you and for the people around you. So I was wondering, can you give us an example of how work-life integration allows you to recognize how any of the different parts of your life affect one another? And maybe even what you subsequently do once you recognized that interaction. Sure. So one. Of, so I'll, I'll make you laugh. Over okay. the the pandemic, <laughs> you know, people were buying things and doing things that they probably would not have done had we not been captive audiences at home. Mm-hmm. And so I saw. I told you I have this puppy. I saw people getting puppies and I thought, oh, no, 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 no. They're cute, but don't do it. Don't do it. And then my daughter has always wanted a puppy. Now, Aww. she doesn't live at home, so I should not have let her vote be cast. <laughs> so I, I held off. Um, I had been going to the gym regularly and, and because of the pandemic, gym was closed. I taught bar or teach bar uh, exercise classes and we were doing that from home. Uh, and so I thought maybe I should look into the Peloton. I pe- see people talking about that. I've ridden um, Peloton bikes at a couple of hotels where I stayed. The app has different formats of classes, which I appreciate. So I thought I'll just use the app. It's free for 30 days. Mm-hmm. It's it, I'll just check it out. Yeah. And then it's $12.99 a month after that. Okay, I like the formats enough and I'm not paying for my gym membership. So I, I could completely rationalize that. And then uh, I, I got the bike. So that was the first P, the Peloton. 
was the first P. Mm, you got to love and the Peloton. Yeah. Sarah loves her. Yeah. Then my friends were getting plants and people were talking about uh, the joy of caring for plants. And so I'm still trying to not buy a puppy or get a puppy, adopt a puppy. <laughs> so I got a plant. So that's a living being. Got this plant. Love. It's a money tree. Love it. Oh, and then there was one day that the puppy won over. Oh. I mentioned it to a friend and she was on it. She was like, here are these shelters in our area. Here are these breeders if they're a specific kind. So I've got a, a, a plant of Peloton and a puppy out of this pandemic. Mm. And they have each affected me in different ways. I have to make sure the plant is watered. Yeah. I have to make sure I'm watered or yeah. hydrated. Yeah. <laughs> the puppy has to move. I have to move. The Peloton uh, gets me going yeah. at different times of the day. And so to get back to your question, yeah. I think... I look over the course of the week to plan my workouts based on what's happening at work on a given day. If I know I'm going to be in a lot of meetings, I might do a yoga class in the morning just to center and plan for a ride in the evening to decompress. Mm -hmm. If I know it's a day of uh, sitting at my computer working on writing projects, I walk with the puppy in the morning, I get started because I like to write early, and then I'll do a ride in the middle of the day and then get back to work. And that just gives me time to mentally process what I've read or written, and uh, it, the movement helps me uh, bring up, conceptualize ideas and, and bring them together. Mm, and so, so that to me is the way I've sort of thought about what are the things that I know I have to do my job, uh, I have to take care of the puppy, and I have to move. And so how does the flow of the week, how can I stay aligned with ease? That's one of the, the sayings one of my yoga teachers always uses. Are you aligning with ease? And if you're not, what are the things that are preventing you from doing that? Mm. And so I try to plan the different workouts uh, based on what's happening in a given day so that I feel recharged and energized uh, to do the work that needs to get done. That is so good. What a great story. And thank you for all that alliteration. All those P's. <laughs> I love it. Of course, we, we, we would have a doctor doing that. Yes, I love it. <laughs> it's so creative, too. So it's a perfect example of work-life integration. You're thinking, what are the results that I need to accomplish this week? How do I, how do I become the best version of myself so that I can be bringing my A game. I need that yoga class so I can be centered and focused for that kind of conversation. I need mm -hmm. the Peloton so that I can have extra energy. Um, and, and you're flexible with yourself so you can make it all piece together. Um, like a that has not always been my way though, Kendra. Okay. That is, the, that is the disclaimer. I am, this is a work in progress. This is an everyday choice to yeah. do these things yeah. um because in different different periods of my life when and i and i talked to my mom about this she's like after 40 you'll see some difference mm -hmm. <laughs> and i have i'm 44 now and there are things that i have just decided don't serve me mm -hmm. and they don't allow me to serve others and mm -hmm. so being rigid is one of those things that I'm, i've been trying to move away from i've been reading the enneagram post i'm like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. So, so I want to hear a little bit about this. How, what happened that you decided that you needed more towards 
uh, you needed to move more towards integration. Is it, is it something you can describe? Was it a moment where you woke up and said, this isn't working, I need to get more creative in how I'm weaving my life together? Or was it gradual? I think it was gradual. Um, part of it was when my daughter graduated because my schedule needed to be structured so that I could support her in school and extracurricular activities and all of those things. And so um, the parts of my life were pretty set. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she left to go to school, uh, around that time is when I got certified to teach bar uh, because I wanted something else to sort of fill her slots, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And through that sort of transition period, um, after figuring out that it could be good being an empty nester. It was, it was sort of uh, unsettling at first uh, that I could go out to dinner with friends on a Wednesday. Shocking. (laughs) I could get in the car on a Saturday and go to the beach. And so it was just really um, pushing myself to do things that weren't on the to-do list or the calendar for a given period of time. And then it just became, this is the way I move through the world and I like it. Mm, I love that. I love that. You know, you've mentioned a couple things about technology that I'd really like to just highlight. Um, and I'd like to ask more about that. One thing I, I've, I've noticed about people who are really skillful at work-life integration is that um, they embrace technology. I remember when, when I decided... Uh, this was a very long time ago that I, I had a BlackBerry and I was up at Walden Pond and, you know, being this sort of transcendentalist and I, I was on the <laughs> phone um, with a reporter at Walden Pond while I was trying to be contemplative and, and I was just like, oh, I can't do this anymore, wanting to throw my blackberry in the pond. And so there was a period where I was really pushing away from technology. And I didn't want to, I didn't want a smartphone, I didn't want a laptop, I didn't, I wanted to be really present. But then I started shifting in the other direction and saying, actually, technology is allowing me to do work life integration in, Mm -hmm. in a faster, happier way. So I started really embracing technology um, so that I could achieve my purpose on the planet. So mm-hmm. how about you? Can I, you know, I heard about the Peloton and the apps. And um, is there anything that you would recommend in terms of the use of technology so that you can more fully achieve your your vision? Yes, actually, um, I use a few tools pretty pretty consistently. So the calendar, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because I need to be told where to be when mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that really, that really is helpful for me. Um, I use the, um, mail map apps on my phone, but I had to turn off the notifications. Mm. Um, I use an Apple watch because I like to be reminded to get up and move because mm-hmm. if I'm engrossed in a task, it's helpful to be reminded that I haven't gotten up in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that was sort of an aha moment for me is everything that was popping up on my phone was popping up on my watch. And there was one particular day I was in a bar class and I got an email and I felt my heart rate go up and it was not because of the class. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what are you doing? Why mm-hmm. are you reading an email on your watch when you should be in relevant? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you have completely checked out of what you're supposed to be doing. And so I turned off the notifications and that has been tremendous. I need them on my phone because I need to be able to check them periodically. And it's easier, like you said, to be able to do that on the go mm-hmm. if I need to. But not having the notifications popping up gave me control back. Mm-hmm. The other thing I've stressed with um, some of my colleagues is that it felt really harsh at first, but then it was liberating. I told them I pay for my cell phone for my convenience, not your convenience. Mm -hmm. So if I can respond, I will. But if I don't respond, know that I will when I'm able to, Mm -hmm. because it would come to the point where they would send an email and then send a text to say they sent an email. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. We're we're doing a whole lot. And I, I just, I, I decline that offer. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> These are so fantastic. Erica, you know, I, I love the way you're saying, yes, I embrace technology, but I'm also mindful and I'm present and I can feel when it's too much. So mm-hmm. I'm embracing it, but I'm turning off notifications in certain mm-hmm. ways. Um, I'm embracing it, but I'm setting expectations with my team about when I'm going to get back, when I'm not going to get back, um, being really clear about what kind of communication you want from them and what you don't want from them. Mm-hmm. So I really love these. I, I think of these sort of as guardrails or norms that that we want to set so that work-life integration doesn't morph into workaholism or ignoring our families or not working enough. So I think it's good to have some some norms or some guardrails. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about that? You know, maybe maybe some of it is being present. Um, is there any guardrail or norm that you would encourage someone to adopt if they're shifting towards work-life integration? Absolutely. It's, it's really setting the parameters on any given day. It doesn't need to be eight to five every single day, mm-hmm. um, but make sure that you allot enough time to get uh, what you intend to done in a given day, a given week, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I like project management software because I have these different aspects of my work and home life that need to be um, attended to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, anytime I'm going through email and there are to-do items, I add a card on on my project management software board um, and then prioritize them. What are the things that have deadlines right away? What are the things that are priorities, but are I can put them off for a little bit? And what are things that I just need to keep tabs on? Mm-hmm. And so project management software helps me with that too, um, because I, there's an app for that, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is helpful for me. Um, and I, I have been working really hard at improving my communication because I'm the type of person, if I see an email and I know that I can't act on it right away, I'll file it, but I don't necessarily respond. And I have heard people talk about, you know, the, their preference that they get a response to just say, I got it and I'm working on it. And mm-hmm. so I'm working on that. That mm-hmm. just isn't. Um, for me, that's one more email. That's how I thought about it. But uh, others prefer to know that you've gotten and that you're working on it. So that's something else that I'm working on because then they aren't following up in five different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's helpful for for both sides. So I've really tried to use technology uh, to streamline 
the work that I have to do to try to reduce the things that I'm trying to hold in my head because that is getting harder and harder. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a board for at home, like what are the things that I need to do to manage uh, activities and tasks at home. And um, for a while I was managing my grandmother's affairs and I needed to make sure that I had, you know, timelines for that and things that I needed to make sure that my daughter's taken care of. And so um, it has helped me to offload some things mentally so that then that is not a real playing in my head when I'm trying to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing a few norms uh, or guardrails that you're recommending. So one is is to double down on being as organized as possible. So whether that's project management software, Toodle do, there's an app for that, you know, but getting mm -hmm. organized so that you are clear about what the expectations are for yourself. Um, I'm also hearing a lot of bi-directional communication. So you are asking for feedback from others, or you're receiving the feedback from others around, oh, you want me to email you back after I get an email and just let you know that I'm working on it? Okay, so you've heard that, you're acting on that now. Um, these are great norms that help us more uh, readily adopt work-life integration. A couple of others that I, I hear as sort of between the lines is building trust. And so really, you know, how do we build trust or minimize affinity distance on our teams so that we can know that uh, th the folks on our team are really doing their best and so um, we don't have to be checking in on them all the time. We know they, they've got it, and they'll talk to me if, if they need some help. So these are all really helpful. Um, I, I just had one last question for you. So when you think about work-life integration, do you think that it's actually – liberating us <laughs> in order to live our uh, one wild and precious life? Do you think it's giving us more freedom? Uh, and, and if you do think that's true, how is that true for you? I think it's true. I think it's um, an ongoing pursuit. I think it's a work in progress and, and probably will be uh, because the biggest part of it is making sure that our expectations of others are clear and that we receive, like you said, the feedback and expectations that they have so that we can come to some common understanding and agreements, whether that's family, whether that's um, working with my teams, the various teams that I work with. Uh, and for me, I think particularly as a result of the pandemic, I lost two family members and that really helped me to mm. think carefully about the kind of life and legacy I want to have lived and leave mm. uh, when it's my time. Mm. I want to have lived so fully that when it's my time, I'm ready. Mm. And I want to leave a legacy such that people remember the interactions that we've had fondly, whether there were many or whether they were few. Mm, that is beautiful. I, I'm hearing another P in, in addition to Peloton <laughs> plant and puppy. I'm hearing present. I'm hearing that you are getting um, very clear about how to be present. And I think that 
also is another norm that we really need to adopt with work-life integration. When you're on that Peloton, when you're with that puppy, when you're taking care of that plant, um, you know, when you're in the break room, all of those things, you are, it sounds like you are really fully present. Um, and, and if you've got notifications that are making you not be present, you're turning them off. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's another uh, element of work-life integration that we can't really stress enough. So thank you so much, Dr. McRae, for being part of this movement of helping world changers enhance their individual and collective team performance. And thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and Productions. You can read our new 2022 catalog. You can ask questions and contact us to make suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. We'll leave you with some Zen wisdom to aid you in your journey toward work-life integration. When walking, walk. When eating, eat. Thank you.